Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And you know, we don't talk a lot about education on here, but it's something that's, that's always on our minds. I mean, you as a parent, uh, uh, me as a, a soon-to-be parent, and, uh, and, and we are ultimately engaged in sharing information with the world. We're a curiosity brand. We're about discussing the science of, of, of the world uh, most of the time. And we've uh, had the, the, um, uh, the privilege of working with Discovery Education mm-hmm. um, here and there to promote educational endeavors. That's right. We actually worked with them on a STEM presentation. This is Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. And STEM education in the U.S. has been on educators and policymakers' minds uh, for, for a while now. And one of the reasons is that we've become far less competitive as a nation in terms of knowledge-based information, right? That's kind of fallen away from our society. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a sad story and one that I think everyone's... Uh Absorbed uh, through the media that we're we're, we're not doing uh, as well at all on uh, on, our, on our science and our math and our physics. We're we're getting pretty good, I guess, about uh, you know learning about the uh, the science of, of magical aspects of the world and how uh, what the latest pop singer is doing. But we're not we're not necessarily all that great uh, when it comes to science and math. Right, and so we're not going to try to actually you know take this on as a topic of why the United States is failing in this area. Instead, we're going to try to look at a model that is working, and it's actually in Finland, and uh, and it is actually predicated on on this idea that all children have a good, solid, quality uh, education, and it, it's a very simple idea, right? It's mm-hmm. not like, hey, let's create superstars here, let's not, you know, get the number one rankings in the world, but lo and behold, they have done that. So um, as the United States is one of the richest industrialized nations, you kind of have to sit back and wonder, why would our education system lag so far behind less prosperous countries with far less resources? So we're going to try to, uh, you know, take on Finland, see what they're doing and tease out what uh, what might be at the bottom of all of this for the United States and really the rest of the world. Yeah. Now, I know what some of you are wondering and, and you know, no, no judgment, but some of you are probably wondering. Where is Finland exactly? And, and what is it? Well, uh, Finland is a far north European country. It is, uh, Scandinavian and it borders Russia. So if you can picture the, 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 the I guess you call it the horn of, uh, Scandinavia, then Finland is a nice, uh, vertical slice of that bordering Russia. Yeah, it's one of the three fingers of, of that, uh, Nordic area. In fact, I always think of it as the quieter sister of Norway and Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say that there I don't know a ton about Norway, but I do know it's the home of Nokia. Yes. And I do know that Lapland, that area of Finland is home to Santa Claus village. Yeah, this is the the reindeer camp that your your brother keeps trying to get. Yeah, uh, my brother keeps there. saying like there's they have real reindeers. There's a Santa Claus. You take these reindeer rides, and I just keep thinking about really reindeer rides, not on their backs. Uh, no, but sleigh you can't rides. Ride their backs. Sleigh they're, rides. They're, their backs are too weak. That's no, you have to hook them to a, yeah, and they're yeah. elves, and I, all of that freaks me they're out. They're real elves. No, but I mean, you know, they go to great lengths to make this look as. As realistic as possible that, you know, where Santa might live, right? Yeah. Well, it's also troll country, so I would be very concerned about that. I just keep thinking of the movie Rare Exports. Yes, that's right. Was that a Finnish movie? That was a Finnish movie. Oh, excellent. Which involves, like, these evil elves and this Krampus-like creature. So whenever he brings it up... No, that was a Santa-like creature. 
but a Krampus-ish. I guess you could you could throw some Krampus in there. Yeah, right? Krampus is like the the anti Santa, right? Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, scenes with a, a lot of uh, old man nudity in it. But, so, but great, great for the whole family. Yeah. So unfortunately, that that's sort of like my baseline of Finland. You know, in addition to the fact that it is the the, the home of like two hundred thousand lakes. Yeah. Right. Beautiful, and very cold. Yeah, I guess my main. Uh, you know, I, I obviously I've never been to Finland. Uh, I have a great deal of respect for their sauna culture. Uh, yes. As uh, as sauna traditions fell out of uh, of practice with the, most of the re- the rest of Europe, uh, Finland held on to it the most, and it remains a strong part of Finnish culture. If you if you if you live in Finland, if you're Finnish, you have a sauna, or you make sure you have access to a sauna, even if you are in the army or in prison, you will have a sauna because it is that important. And I, I love a good sauna. I, I Wish I uh, had time for for more of them, or the office would finally install one, like I've been demanding. Yeah, Um, I love a good sauna. The Finns love a good sauna, so I can't help but love the Finns on that count. Uh, Also, uh, the Russo-Finnish productions of such films as Jack Frost, uh, as they were um, made famous uh, over here uh, by Mystery Science Theater 3000. I'm a big fan of those. And then also they have a rich folk tradition. You have uh, some monsters such as uh, Jokahainen, a vast frost giant formed in primordial times from the melting of giant icicles at the edge of the world, and he lives in the far north. Um, there are the uh, the Mahaiset, which were earth dwellers, little people and guardian spirits that live in the ground. And then, this is pretty cool too, there's a uh, Tantu, which is a household spirit. And the way to get a Tantu was to um, make a pact with the devil at a graveyard. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then this in- invites the Tantu back to your home where you make sure the Tantu has access, the spirit has access to the best accommodations and a really nice seat at the dinner table. And in return, the Tantu enriches your house generally at your neighbor's expense. So there you go. Well, so that's so much better than living in Sweden and just going to IKEA. Yeah, exactly. Right? You can you can go to well, yeah, you can you can go to IKEA or you can, you, uh, you can go to IKEA in here in Atlanta if you want. But you know, as IKEA had its beginnings in uh, Sweden, I say, hey, there you go, Sweden. You know, little thumb of the nose there. I should also point out that Finland is a parliamentary democracy. Just That's right. Go ahead and get that out of the way. Yeah, and they had emerged to um, late sixties, I believe, from 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 Soviet influence. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guess they're right up there. They're the neighbors, you know. Exactly. Hello. Uh, so well, they really did try to remake their society to try to to harken back to their rich folklore, their rich tradition, uh, their rich history, and part of that is, of course, rebuilding. Uh, with a great education system. So when we talk about Finland today and all that it has accomplished, we're talking about something that has been in the making since uh, the 70s, really. Yes. So what have they done? Okay, well, they have ranked at or near the top in three major international education studies since 2000. We're talking neck and neck with super achievers like South Korea and Singapore. So the students in Finland have been... You know, in, in some cases, sort of outranking these other countries, and yet they're not putting in nearly as many hours studying and preparing as their counterparts in some Southeast Asian countries. So recently, they scored first in science and second in reading and math on the standardized test administered by the Program for International Student Assessment, and this is conducted among industrial niche, industrialized nations every three years. And then in contrast, American students finished 25th in math, 17 in science, and 12th in reading on the latest uh, PISA assessment. Yeah, it's it's such a, um, a contrast between, like, U.S. schools increasingly, 
it's it's all about these standardized tests. It's mm-hmm. about prepping for these tests, and it gets to where it, it it has a tendency to suck out a lot of the creativity that goes into teaching a classroom. Uh, we, I, my mom's a kindergarten teacher. I even hear it from her all the time. And you generally think of a kindergarten classroom as a, a pretty uh, open and creative environment. Mm-hmm. But there's, she's always talking about. I'll ask about. Oh, well, do you still do that thing with the uh, with the ublick or with the uh, with this book or that book or this art project? And there's so many of those things you can't do anymore because they have to make room for these tests. Um, I encountered it just a little bit when I very briefly taught uh, high school. Uh, and, you know, it's like the whole part of the year ends up being just about prepping for these tests, getting ready to take these standardized tests, uh, rehearsing for these standardized tests. And it becomes you know, more about um, preparing yourself for a simulation of knowledge rather than an actual understanding of knowledge. Which is really specific, and it's handed down mm-hmm. from policymakers at a national level, which is then interpreted at a state level. Some of the problems that we continue to have in the system have to do with no child left behind, because, right. again, we're talking about the stringent testing. Um, so trying to throw off those shackles and, again, find more room for the actual teaching and learning, as opposed to, as you say, preparing is really important here. Well, you know, it comes down to a very American way of dealing with problems. You First thing you do, you have a meeting about it, and then you have another yeah. meeting about it, and then uh, and then if it reaches the bureaucracy level, then you start making some mandates, and it includes all these mandated tests. How many mandated tests does Finland have? Uh, they have one at one. age sixteen. You enter at age seven, mm-hmm. and then at age sixteen, you have one one mandatory test. So already you can begin to see that this is very contrary to what we do here in the United States. Um, this is from Anu Partinen from Atlantic Magazine. Uh, she had said that when she spoke with Passy Salberg, who wrote a book called Finnish Lessons, What the World Can Learn from Educational Change in Finland, that he said that Americans are consistently obsessed with certain questions. How can you keep track of a student's performance if you don't test them constantly? How can you improve teaching if you have no accountability for bad teachers or merit pay for good teachers? How do you foster competition and engage the private sector? How do you provide school choice? Now, he says, for Finnish educators, none of these questions are relevant. None of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, we should take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll get into why they're not relevant to Finland and, and perhaps why this is part of the reason they're so successful in academia. All right, we're back. Just wanted to throw one more quick stat around here before we go into the land of Finland. Um, the 2009 National Assessment of Educational Progress found that barely one-third of fourth graders in the United States were at or above the proficient level in science, with those proportions slipping to 30% in eighth grade and 21% in twelfth grade. What this means is that we have a large population here, some of whom are going to college and they are not actually prepared, yeah. particularly in the area of science. Uh, so what does that spell out for the future of, of uh, science brainiacs here in the United States? A little dim, right? Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, in Finland, children are begin studying algebra, geometry, and statistics in the first grade. Yes. And by age 15, they tend to speak three languages, though 
that's not really that uncommon in Europe because I mean, you're going to have the, the local language. You got Russia right next door. You got English kicking about. So yeah. well, and the the official languages are Finnish and Swedish. Yeah. Okay. So you can't really just hang out with just your <laughs> Finnish language if you want to hang out with the rest of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially culturally, right? So okay, we talked about this education reform happening in the 70s and the 80s, and that Finnish policymakers wanted to really uh, try to recast their education system because they felt like that would bolster the entire country. And they would do this by providing equity, by making sure that each kid got a fair shot at a good education. It was actually a pretty prescient move of them because I think that this put them on a track to really compete globally because they realized they didn't have much to be competitive with. They couldn't rely on manufacturing or natural resources, and they instead had to invest in a knowledge-based society. Now, what does that sound like today? Very much like the United States. Yeah, though we do have uh, American exceptionalism, right? Don't we have the? Well, maybe we don't have that. Some some know. people think we have that. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> so, what does their school system look like? Ninety-seven percent of the schools are public. Only a small number of independent schools exist in Finland. So that's three percent that are independent or private, and they are all publicly financed. Uh, Finland offers all pupils free school meals. Easy access to healthcare, which is really important, psychological counseling, and individualized student guidance. So it's not just, hey, we have a great education system. They have everything in place to actually support uh, everything else, right? Yeah, and this I, th- I found was really telling as well. The people in the government agencies running these schools, they're, uh, they're, and this goes from national offices to local authorities, they are educators. They're not business people, they're not military leaders, they're not career politicians. Um, and, uh, and every school has the same national goals and draw from the same uh, pool of university-trained educators. Yeah, it really is one of those things where it's so homogenized, but it works, mm-hmm. right? The homogeny here is quality. So if you have quality across the board, then everybody gets the same education. Uh, and that is where you begin to see these numbers, these incredible numbers. Fully 93% of Finns graduate from high school. That's 17.5 points higher than American students. And 66% are accepted to college. And that's a higher rate than the U.S. in every European nation. And they have a zero dropout rate, right? There's no, there is no, why would they drop out is sort of their idea. Okay. Cause they're moving through this system and they're really learning from it. Now, and all of this with significantly less homework. Uh, yes, that's yeah. true. That significantly less homework. Uh, actually, they don't, I think they had said that uh, from from most of the reports that we read in Smithsonian and Atlantic that at the most maybe a half hour of homework. Yeah, because homework. I mean, I, I'm going to sound like a you know 12 year old here, but homework is ridiculous. It's kind of like, I mean, well, why you you spend all day there? And then you have to go home to supposedly learn the stuff that you were doing during the day. I just, uh, well, the and, other, and half the people or more aren't going to do it. So Yeah, yeah. The other thing is that um, th- throughout the school day, especially for the younger children, they mm-hmm. have like 45 minutes of school and then 15 minutes of play. 45 minutes of school, 15 minutes of play throughout the day. So you do get those mental breaks. And we've talked about this before, how important it is to be able to sort of take that break so that your brain can absorb the information. Yeah. So they're certainly doing it the right way. Um, okay, so m- some people might say, well, oh, I bet this is super expensive. Well, okay, here's the big news here. Finland spends about 30% less per student than the U.S. does to achieve, which is obviously far superior results. Well, let's talk about the teachers. Who are these? Uh, who are these? These cogs in the system that are making making this work? <laughs> because they're more than just cogs. For, for starters, we're talking about 
highly educated people, mm-hmm. university degrees, mm-hmm. and then they have a remarkable amount of freedom in how they educate their classroom. I've uh, I've heard it, um, you know, they're not having to worry about, about sticking to some sort of uh, rigid, standardized uh, curriculum all the time, and they're able to creatively engage the students. Right. So at the, the national level, level or by, the, uh, I should say, the education ministry, they say, okay, when it comes to math, here are 10 pages of things that we want you guys to cover and make mm-hmm. sure. Um, kids are learning. Now, that is in stark contrast to like hundreds of pages that are usually handed down by education systems. And by the time it gets to that particular school or that teacher, they still are allowed to have a, a bit of interpretation of what that means mm-hmm. and flexibility in how they teach it. How is a really big part of this, right? So you have a centralized government that is helping to structure it, but they are giving uh, teachers that, that leeway. Yeah, I mean... It, it also gives them the ability to look at a classroom and say, how am I going to engage this group of people? Like, what is what is going to engage them? Is it going to be reading The Great Gatsby? Probably not. Right, right. And here's another thing. Um, some people might say, oh, they, they must be getting paid, you know, an amount that we just couldn't do here in the United States. Well, Finnish teachers' starting salaries are lower than in the U.S., but... High school teachers with 15 years experience make 102% of what other college graduates make. In the U.S., uh, the figure is 62% of that. So eventually over time, Finnish teachers are paid more than, uh, United States teachers, but still, um, they're, they're not too off. Yeah. In terms of the payment. What the big story here is, is that teachers in Finland are regarded very highly. And um, this is from The Atlantic, the article, Why Are Finland Schools So Successful? It says the critical decision came in 1979 when reformers required that every teacher earn a fifth-year master's degree in theory and practice at one of the eight state universities, which are free, by the way, at state expense. So they did that at state's expense. From then on, teachers were effectively granted equal status with doctors and lawyers. And applicants began flooding teaching programs, not because the salaries were so high, because we know they aren't, but because autonomy and respect made the job attractive. In 2010, some 6,600 applicants vied for 660 primary school training slots. So what we're talking about here is really passionate people mm-hmm. who, you know, they, they get to occupy the status as molders of, um, you know, the future of Finland. And I don't mean to disparage any teachers here in the United States because there are so many wonderful, passionate teachers. Oh, yes. Um, mm-hmm. But there are also a lot of people who could also be wonderful, passionate teachers, but they don't because when you look at being a teacher here in the United States, um, it's just not as, as, as highly positioned as, as other things, right? Correct, yeah. Um, you know, also, when I was uh, looking around at uh, various articles and blog posts uh, about this, you inevitably encounter somebody talking about, oh, well, it's a, it's a socialist system. Oh, it's a, you know, s- socialism. And uh, especially in the United States, that, mm-hmm. that uh, the term socialism is, is often thrown about with, <laughs> without any real understanding of, of what it means. But I found it interesting that um, Clark Howard uh, was a local... Uh, well, not only local, you can hear him all over the, the country, but uh, based in Atlanta. Uh, generally, he's about, you know, finding cheap ways to live your life or more uh, economically feasible ways mm-hmm. to live your life, that sort of thing. He's a big fan of the Finland system, and he actually uh, compares it, uh, compares the um, uh, a teacher's freedom in the classroom mm-hmm. to their approach to the way an entrepreneur would treat a business. Lots of uh, ability, you know. On the field, in the classroom, uh, doing what's best for this environment and making it as, as you know, great a classroom as possible. 
You know, what's really cool, too, is that the teachers do individual assessments of the children throughout the year. So, again, there's no big test. But what they're doing when they do that is they're looking at the strengths and the weaknesses of that one child. Yeah. And then they're figuring out, well, okay, this kid might need more support here in math or reading or so on and so forth, and creating a a curriculum that is geared just for that child, right? Um, So, in that way, you do have the homogenous Everybody gets a high-quality education, but at the same time, you get that everybody gets the support that they need to access that information and to learn it, which is really key. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the reason that they can do that is that they spend fewer hours at school each day, and they spend less time in the classrooms than American teachers, and they use the extra time to build those curriculums and assess their students. So, again, they're not hamstrung by all of these different... uh, uh, Bits of standardized testing that are handed down. That being said, American schools, at least you've got good football programs. So there's always that. Now, but the hope here is it's not, you know, the, the whole reason we did this podcast was not to belittle American education. Um, I mean, certainly we're both products of American education. I'm a product of, uh, of public schools, um, for better and worse. But 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 uh, but no, we, we want to point out that uh, that this is a system that a lot of people are looking at, and they're saying there is stuff we can learn from here. There's this is not some just some sort of uh, a foreign model that doesn't mesh with our culture or our system. We could easily uh, adopt some of these same principles, uh, apply them to our own educational system, and years from now we could be the the success story that we that so many of us feel entitled to. Well, that'll be the interesting thing to see Finland in twenty years, because already you know their quality of life is pretty high. Their mm-hmm. economy is doing, you know, fairly well, and then they have this education system to boot to support all of the rest of it. So, you know, in twenty years, will they be a major player? I don't know, but uh, some people will look at this and say, "Well, you know, they're a smaller country and it's much more feasible." Well, so are their counterparts, Norway and Sweden, and they still, with their system, they they best them in terms of, you know, how their students are performing. And if you look at the United States, uh, most of the school systems are state-run. And you have at least 18 states that have the same population as Finland. So there are certainly opportunities to, to test this model out to see to what extent it could be used. But, of course, those takeaways aren't that, you know, we need to have three years of maternity leave in place in order to be successful. We're just not, as a country, going to get to that point yet, mm-hmm. right? There are basic things that Finland has that we won't. But, again, this idea of um, raising the profile of teachers and having good quality for every single child, well, that's the whole theory of, you know, when waters rise, all all boats rise, right? Yeah. Um, and again, I, I, I want to harken back to what you said, too. Like, we're not trying to take on the American education system. That is a huge, huge topic, and, and it's far more complex and nuanced than we've touched on here. Um, but I do think that, as you know, a sense of pride in uh, America and um, and wanting it, to be a vital contributor to the rest of the world, it's really important to have an education system in place that can make sure that everybody plays together on a global scale. Yeah. Now, uh, to your point about uh, to what extent uh, Finland may be uh, you know, a, a major player in the, in the future, uh, it is, again, worth uh, pointing out that uh, it is apparently home to Santa. Who, yes. is, who is already a major global player. We don't and, have Santa. What are we going to do? Yeah. I mean, you know, we don't have Lapland. And if there's reindeers. anything holding them back, it's just probably <laughs> that, that massive troll problem they have. Exactly. 
That and, uh, well, I, depression because of those extremely long uh, days of darkness. Yeah, but, you know, you just buy a lamp, then you're good. That's true. Buy a lamp. All right. Get a cat. Um, a study by the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, which was highlighted by John Metcalf for Atlantic Cities, points out that there are a couple of barriers to decent STEM education in the U.S. I just want to tick them off real quick. Okay. Something for us all to ponder. The first is a persistent reluctance to embrace the theory of evolution. In states like Missouri and Tennessee, learning about Darwin's theory of natural selection is still voluntary in schools. Um, and recently there was a news item, by the way, that came out about um, kids who were taught creationism mm-hmm. and, and their really poor science um, skills. Well, that's not surprising at all. Right. Uh, so, and uh, let me see what else Metcalf says. She says, many standards also evince a remarkable vagueness in the goals that they hope to achieve. And math instruction is lacking in many jurisdictions, and teachers don't have enough guidance when it comes to building science instruction into their lesson plans. So, again, the support system isn't quite there. All right, so there you have it. Uh, again, we just wanted to provide some information about this uh, Finnish system that a lot of people are talking about. Um, certainly, do some uh, Google searches. You'll find most of these uh, documents we're talking about. There are a lot of news stories out there, a lot of blogs discussing um, the various uh, aspects of this that could be applied to the U.S. system. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we would love to hear from uh, any teachers out there uh, you could be American teachers, maybe your Finnish teachers, anyone who has actual firsthand experience with the Finnish system. That would be great to hear from you to get your two cents on all this. Uh, oh, and I did want to just just to underline it, um, my cat and lamp solution to depression. I'm only talking about seasonal affective disorder, and I'm doing so right, kind of flippantly. Uh, but uh, not to get into the, the much deeper uh, subject of depression, uh, which we uh, may, may discuss in a future podcast. Indeed, that is for another uh, topic. And, um, yeah, we would love to hear from you. Guys, I also would love to hear any success stories as a student or a teacher, um, and what sort of models uh, you may have experienced that work for you. Yeah. I think this is really, honestly, a fascinating topic. You can't say that we're not all interested in, in some level. We all support good education, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be madness not to. Absolute. So, uh, how you can how you can find us, how you can get in touch with us, how you can see what we're up to, uh, various uh, blogs podcasts, videos, uh, holograms, whatever uh, we're doing uh, in the weeks ahead. You can find us at StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That is the the mothership. That is where all content begins or ends. It's the center of our universe. And uh, you can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're Stuff to Blow Your Mind there. On Tumblr, we're Stuff to Blow Your Mind. On Twitter, we are Blow the Mind. And on uh, YouTube, our handle is MindStuffShow. So let us know that you are out there and feel free to drop a line. You can do so at BelowTheMindAtDiscovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.